0: Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog.
1: And welcome to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolfe. We had such a crazy exciting week. We were videotaping an interview um, in Pennsylvania with our new program, where we are using our trained cortisol detection dogs to work with uh, victims of assault and abuse in um, Pennsylvania in the court system, They're actually sanctioned by the court system. And it's so cool because it's just a wonderful, wonderful application of our cortisol dogs. And we're so excited. So, Wyatt and I, and my good friend Michelle, and Nala, who is Wyatt's niece all spent uh, the better of yesterday in a four-and-a-half-hour-long interview, which we're so excited. It's supposed to be on um, November 10th, so we'll have to have everybody paying attention and uh, tuning to the, uh, the newscast, as well as, obviously, we would love for you guys to be able to see it on our website, on MerlinsKids.org or UnitedK9Professionals.com. And, of course, you can always check us out on Facebook for Merlin's Kids as a community organization or for United Canine Professionals. We're just looking for more people. We've got some great new programs that are utilizing our trained service dogs in different modalities, um, everything from – special needs children in schools where our behavioral experts become trained in therapeutic facilitation and behavioral intervention, and all the way to and including the court systems as we've been talking about already. The greatest part about it is not only are we helping special needs kids and veterans, but we're also rescuing dogs. Now, granted, not all of our dogs are rescue dogs, but so many of them are And it's really important that we keep that as our focus because there's so many different dogs that are out there. And about 4 million dogs a year are euthanized in shelters around this country. I'm sorry, but that is unacceptable. Absolutely not okay. I don't understand what's wrong with people. How do you get a dog or breed a dog? Or make that commitment to the dog and then just let the dog go and know that dog's probably going to wind up in a shelter or rescue well want to give you a baby huey update huey is doing great baby huey is our great dane mix that we pulled out of niagara county um was on a stray hold and i didn't talk too much about huey because i was worried that maybe his owners would finally come through but of course they didn't and huey beautiful, beautiful dog, has over 200 marks, and we believe them to be all cigarette burns. It's just unbelievable how cruel people can be and how how vicious and uncaring and just despicable they can really be. But what's great about it is Huey is going to turn into the best dog in the world. He's already uh, being fostered, and his life is already changing, and he just turned into such a sweetie pie. We're so excited, and he will turn into a service dog for a veteran or for a child. And, you know, that's the, the real beauty of what we do at Merlin's Kids and have been doing for so many years I can't even count anymore. You know, we hear about sometimes people saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm taking a rescue dog and I'm going to turn it into a service dog or a therapy dog. And there's one big part of that that people neglect. It's the people. You can take a dog, and maybe one out of 100 dogs has what it takes, uh, maybe 10 out of 100 have what it takes to be a service, uh, a, a therapy dog, you know, just a good dog without behavioral issues, and they're just, you know, a good dog, and you can pet them and you feel better. But there's a whole other thing out there. What, what we do with therapeutic facilitation and behavioral intervention are trademarked proprietary techniques that are actually used in schools and in now in the court system, and with business people and mothers and other people who are uh, in very stressful situations and need to have that non judgmental buddy, but not just having a therapy dog. And a lot of you have therapy dogs or want to train your dog to be a therapy dog, and I'll give you some information later on about that. But remembering that maybe one out of a hundred of the dogs who are qualified. Um, and are good at doing therapy dog work are actually able to be service dogs. Service dog is a very different thing, and I want to focus on that a little bit today because I think people, um, a lot of times I get 15 to 20 a day people requesting my help from around the country, plus, you know, what we get from our website and people who just hear the, the show. And a lot of people say, oh, I want to train my dog to be a service dog. And then I speak with them and they're like, oh, no, no, I don't have anything wrong with me. Not that you need to have something wrong with you, but you need to have some kind of condition that a dog can ameliorate and assist in, otherwise it's not a service dog. And they say, oh, no, no, I just want to go to hospitals or I want to go to school. That's the point. A therapy dog can be a wonderful dog. Many of them, uh, unfortunately, don't have a lot of experience with other dogs and Some of them are actually uh, dog reactive or animal reactive or can only be used with children or can only be used with elderly people. And that's the issue that I have is when you're at that level that your dog is a trained therapy dog, a therapy dog that might be near other dogs or there might be a cat or a bunny or or a horse where the person is going to be visited. So you have to make sure that that dog is non-reactive to anything, any surroundings, anything that it could possibly be around. Now, a service dog is a dog who's not only non-reactive and perfectly behaved, but actually does a job for that person who he provides a service for. So imagine for a moment you have someone who's blind, someone who's deaf, someone who's diabetic or hypoglycemic or has seizures or has balance issues the dog isn't just there for them to pet and feel better, like, oh, gee, okay, I'll pet you and I won't feel bad anymore. The dog actually has to do a specific job and at least two jobs that can uh, satisfy the ADA criteria for like an assistive device. So if you imagine having a cane or a walker or, you know, a hearing aid or anything else like that that would help you, that's an assistive or adaptive device. And an assistive device is now a dog. So the ADA regulations were upgraded um, about five years, four years ago, so that now the ADA um, includes specifically service dogs, and there's no more service pigs or service cows or service chipmunks. It's only um, service dogs. Um, the reason being that some animals are just really not, um, not fit to be on an airplane or fit to be in certain public places because of cleanliness and other things. So I want to talk today about how you can potentially help us to foster or to learn even how to train service dogs and therapy dogs. Listen, therapy dogs are great. They're the people who work with them, very often put in a lot of time and a lot of obedience and the dogs can sit and the dogs can lie down and they can be very calm and it feels great when you're in a hospital or if you're in a nursing home or if you're in a school it feels great just to have a dog to be sitting with you and making you feel better but what i want to do is is teach you the differences of what we expect at merlin's kids and united canine professionals and why being a service dog or a therapy dog handler is so much more difficult than you really realize. And I think a lot of different places and I'm not talking about the legitimate places, but a lot of a lot of people say, Oh, I do that training and everybody's a trainer. Everybody thinks he's a trainer. Oh, I used to be a baker. Oh, now I'm a dog trainer. Oh, I used to be a printer. Now I'm I'm a dog trainer. I used to be a financial analyst. Now I'm a dog trainer. And that's not the way it should work. Unfortunately, you have to be very diligent and check things out. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others
2: as a dog owner you know that dogs can eat just about anything but when food becomes a health troublemaker or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds or gi issues set in your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs goo gut rescue goo gut rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance remember your dog's total health begins with gut health don't delay visit goo NuVet
3: Plus, your pet's best friend. NuVet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. Helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more. All natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial, no sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat-treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. one 800 474 That's one 800 474 And tell them you are referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio. Or go online to www.nuvet.com. That's www.nuvet.com. Use order code 33955. Again, www.newvet.com. Order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health.
0: Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children.
1: And welcome back to From Shelter Dogs, to service dog with Janice Wolf. Well, we're talking about service dogs and therapy dogs and the differences between them and what dogs might be suitable because there are some great dogs out of 4 million dogs who are euthanized. You've got to say at least 10% of those dogs could be potentially therapy dogs. That's a very big amount. Now, if you say 1% of that that 10%, so let's say 1,000, one in every 1,000 dogs could be potentially service dogs, and we have 4 million dogs, we're talking about you know, potentially thousands of service dog-level quality uh, dogs every year who are being euthanized in shelters. That's terrible. Not only that the dogs themselves, it's horrible that they, that they die, but some of the ways that they actually put these dogs to death is, is disgusting, and I do want to get into that as well in the next segment. Now, if you say, hey, I would love to help Merlin's Kids, you can do that in so many ways. You can foster. You can go onto our website, merlinskids.org. If you shop and you're a big shopper on Amazon, you can go to Smile, like Smile, you're on candid camera, smile.amazon.com, and where it says Change Your Charity, you can put in Merlin's Kids, and we'll receive um, a donation for every um, purchase that you make. So that's a great way of helping us. It doesn't cost you anything. You can get a copy of our book, uh, which I wrote. It's called Shhh Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101, which you can get online. And you can call us at either 855 hi Wyatt, or which is 855 449 9288. And if you um, have a dog now that has either nutritional issues or maybe some behavioral issues that are tied to eating or chewing or things like that, I recommend highly to keep your dog healthy. Keep him on a diet that's free of corn, wheat, soy, BHA, BHT byproducts, propylene glycol, anything that's labeled animal or meat without specifying the source and putting your dog on a super high quality vitamin supplement that will keep him or her strong and healthy, um, free of cataracts and free of, of a lot of diseases that many of our domestic dogs wind up with because of all the chemicals and pesticides and preservatives and antibiotics and gunk that it's killing the humans while it's killing our dogs too. So uh, the, the vitamin supplement we use is something called NuVet, dot com. And um, if you want to order it, you have to uh, contact them. Either go online at NuVet.com or 800-474-7044. Uh, and uh, you can use the code so you can get a 15% discount for auto ship. The code number is 40560. What's great about that is that no matter where you go and what you do, your dog at least is going to have a strong immune system, and they make that for cats as well. Um, It's just so important to have a nice, healthy, happy animal. And a lot of times we don't think about it, but dogs who are therapy dogs or service dogs can end up with a lot of different health issues because they get very stressed. It's a lot of work. To be able to, you know, work with a person or work with a group of kids, and get that stress of basically a nine-to-five job. Now, some dogs can handle it a little better than others, but again, as long as we're, you know, discussing about dogs being healthy, your dog should be on a really good, rock-solid diet. Many of the um, legitimate um, agencies, for whatever misguided reason, believe that you should not have a dog on a raw diet if you are using him as a therapy dog in case he bites somebody or licks somebody, well, they're worried about the, I'm assuming the bacteria in the meat that they might be eating raw. Well, dogs eat poop. So if they were eating poop and then licked, or if they licked themselves and then they licked the person, I'd be less worried about what was in the meat than I would about what was in the poop the dog just licked or licking himself. You know, it's kind of gross, but, you know, that's where the kind of misguided uh, people in the world who know less about dogs than they do about, you know, promoting themselves will typically fall by the wayside. So at Merlin's Kids, we do have a very, very in-depth program that starts with United Canine Professionals training. Let me explain a little bit about that because I think it's a really important factor. A lot of people call us reach out to us, and they want us to, uh, you know, to train them to become a canine behaviors. They want us to be a part of their being able to do something better and more important and bigger than themselves. And very often, we see people who uh, are just more interested in, you know, hey, I want to help the rescue group I'm with, which is awesome. Or, you know, they're more interested in getting somebody who, you know, who's going to you know, be able to work with the dog and who's potentially going to be able to help those dogs so they don't wind up in a shelter or rescue group. Now, here's another thing. A lot of people don't know the difference between a shelter and a rescue. A rescue group, that's what I think is the best. Now, there are some bad rescues, but most of them try really hard and do a good job. The problem that I see is that there's too many egos. And we've had certainly many shows that I've told everybody about how things happen. We've got to get above and beyond ego. People who need to see their name. It's not called Janice's Kids. It's called Merlin's Kids. It's not called United Janice Wolf Professionals. It's called United Canine Professionals. I don't need to see my name. Everybody already knows who I am, and that's already too much. I just want to help people. I just want to help dogs. I want to help people like you to have a better relationship with your dog, to be able to train your own dog potentially to be a service dog, or maybe to be a therapy dog, or to be a PTSD dog, or to just be the best dog in the world so that the dogs don't wind up in a shelter or rescue. It's really heartbreaking to see dogs who really are just they are great animals. And because of, of where they were born or to whom they were born, these dogs end up in in a bad life. Versus, you know, my Rhodesian Ridgebacks and many, you know, good legitimate breeders. I mean, these dogs have better food than than the owners do. I, I can't eat the way I feed my dogs. They eat all organic, organic yogurt, um, organic whole milk yogurt. They eat organic chicken that's ten bucks a pound. I don't eat like that. I eat some, you know, pasta or something. I can't eat ramen noodles because of the gluten, but if I could, I'd be eating those. But my dogs are going to be eating really good quality food and those NuVet vitamins to keep them strong and healthy. It's important, especially if you're putting in all the time with a dog who might be a therapy dog or with a dog who might even be a service dog. Whether you're fostering the dog or working with that dog, it's important that that Uh, that animal be given the best quality nutrition and the best vitamins, like the NuVet Plus wafers for dogs or the NuVet Plus for cats. Um, Like I said, it's order code 40560, and then you get your 15% discount for auto-ship. Pretty good, and I love those for my dogs. Um, It's just a great product, and, you know, I'm not going to mention the specific brand of food I use, but it is an all-organic, it's top-ranked. And it's a great thing because this way my dogs can live as long as possible. And that's really what our goal is, right? If we're going to put all that time into a great therapy dog and into a great service dog, first thing we want to do is make sure that dog, that animal, is going to live a really long time. So when I come back, I'm going to go through some of the not-so-niceties. And uh, we'll see in a moment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog.
3: For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk. It's also more dangerous. Until now, introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash, the only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's Biketo-leash.com. bike Bike tow leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is B I K E T O W L E A S H dot com.
0: Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children.
1: And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. All right, well, I promised we were going to come back and talk about service dogs and therapy dogs and practice also and teach you a little bit more about the rescues and shelters and and what happens to these dogs who are not lucky enough for us to take them after they've been dumped by their horrible owners for whatever reason into a shelter or abandoned. So a therapy dog, and we do training at Merlin's Kids for therapy dogs we do things much differently. We don't use food rewards. We don't use cookies. And we certainly don't use anything negative like some of these crazies with the shock collars and the prong collars and the choker chains and the yanking and the screaming. And wow, I wouldn't want to be in a lifestyle like that. Who the heck would want to even have a life like that where you're being screamed at and yelled at and degraded and, feeling like you you don't know what to do and feeling bad all the time. Nobody would want that. So why do we do that to our dogs? I don't know. So for let's say something like a therapy dog and you say, hey, you know, I've got a really sweet dog and he's really good and he jumps around a bit, kind of a knucklehead, but he never bite anybody. And he loves to be around people. That's a great candidate for a therapy dog. But we shouldn't be breeding dogs to be service dogs or breeding dogs to be therapy dogs. There are so many wonderful dogs out there. And the breeding programs in most, with most companies that are doing this that are breeding purpose-bred dogs, as my good friend Temple Grandin always says, we were talking about briefly last night when I was talking with her about this, um, you know, she doesn't understand either. Why are we breeding dogs, mixing breeds that have potential issues, and we're getting dogs with this plastic hips, or that are dying of weird cancers at seven or eight, and aren't able to do that job. Well, when I breed my Rhodesian Ridgeback, my last three that that passed over the rainbow bridge were 15 Angel, 15 and a half Tara, and 16 Sunka. Those were my last three that passed away, and they passed away when they were old, and they weren't sickly and old. They just, they Ridgebacks kind of just pass on and you know the the great thing is that they had wonderful full lives and the people who have bought puppies from us or acquired puppies from us through the years whether they're show dogs or pets appreciate that they don't lose a dog when it's eight or seven or six they appreciate even though of course 13 14 15 is still you know you still have your heart broken but at least they're getting a full life out of these dogs. And part of it, is, a big part of it, is the genetics and breeding to make sure, because I want people to be able to enjoy that dog for a long time, and I want my dog to be healthy and strong and in really good shape. And all that is a, is a portion of genetics. Now, the other part that we can control, whether you got your dog in a shelter or a rescue group or from a, a good breeder or from a puppy mill, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, I prefer you not buy dogs in pet stores because those are the dogs whose parents are still living in a puppy mill. And, you know, you think, oh, you know, oh, I saved them. No, you didn't save them. There will be another dog fitting into that cage. So definitely not a big fan of pet stores at all. Go and buy stuff at a pet store. Go and rescue an animal or go to a legitimate breeder who is a show breeder who's doing a, the greatest job for the right reasons. We don't want to do things for the wrong reasons. So, now let's talk about, for a moment, the difference between rescue dogs who come from a rescue versus rescue dogs that come from a shelter. A rescue dog that comes from a shelter typically was dumped there or abandoned for a reason. And you know, you say, oh, well, maybe the dog ran away. If one of your dogs or one of my dogs ran away, I would find them. I would contact every rescue, every shelter, every animal shelter. I'd have things on the news. I'd have posters up. I would find my dog. I would not sleep. I would not rest until I found my dog. So when dogs are dumped, and they, you know, I've seen dogs that they cut the microchip out of the dog. That's pretty sick because they don't want anybody to know that they dumped the dog. So if you have a dog who know, it's just out of control and you can't handle them. Why don't you get, get them fixed? We can fix them. We can rehabilitate them. It's United Canine Professionals. We do that. We actually have an 800 number. You can call us and we will help you free of charge by phone, give you a free behavioral consultation so you don't have to worry about that. So you can call us at 855-4K9-PROS, which is 855 459 Seven seven six seven, And we would be very, very grateful and very, very happy to help you. Because if we can help you, then you don't have to give your dog up. So a shelter, a shelter is basically a catch-all, usually controlled by the county or the state sometimes or by local government, municipality. And that is a place where when something happens, whether it's a dog bite case or whether it's a person who has abandoned a dog or abused or neglected a dog, it's that place where the dog goes kind of as a a holding place. Now, most of the places have either a three-day or a seven-day hold, depending on what state and what county and what municipality. Now, if that dog is in a high-kill shelter, and especially if it's like a pit bull or something like that, um, you know, obviously the dog should, um, you know, we, we want them to be adopted, but they can't usually let them go unless it's an owner surrender. Before that, either three days or seven days. Now, some places have so many dogs already there, and if you have, in a lot of places, if it comes in and it looks like a pit bull or it looks like a breed that they don't like for whatever reason, as soon as that three-day hold is off, the dog goes and is euthanized. Now, there's some pretty disgusting ways of euthanizing dogs, and I'm going to tell you that in the next segment. But the rescue groups typically will go to shelters in the south or shelters in different areas, pull a particular type of dog or a particular breed of dog, and find individuals that are special. And those dogs are the ones who are lucky because they make it into the rescue system. Now, a lot of rescues, unfortunately, are very, very small because people can't always get along together and they have egos and this one doesn't like what that one did. So they break off and they start their own rescue and they've got, you know, maybe they're, they're they're doing 10 dogs a year or 20 dogs a year or 100 dogs a year. But if we would all just kind of work together, which I don't understand why we can't work together, folks. It's not about you. It's not about You, the human listening, it's about the dogs, it's about the cats, it's about the animals who are in need of a home, who are in need of medical care, who are in need of someone to care for them and love them. It is not about you, people. It's not about your animal control officer who doesn't like this other person and doesn't get along with the administrator of the facility. It's not about you. It's about the animals. Get over yourselves, people. You're not all that great. Matter of fact, the world would be a better place without some people in it. And I'm sorry to be very tough, but you people probably won't admit who you are. And then most of the people who are listening and most of my, my listeners are, are really those great people that I do want to be involved. And in. I want to call you to action. I want you to think about you having that power to save lives. You can help us by learning how to be a canine behaviorist. You can help us by learning how to pull dogs from a shelter or from a rescue group that might be able to be good therapy or service dogs or PTSD dogs. And that's what the shame is. You have the power in you to become one of the ones who's saving instead of one of the ones who's not doing that it's just terrible so please stay tuned we're going to talk a little bit more in a moment be right back
0: share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children
1: hey pet lovers listen up Pur spray pet all natural non-toxic spray for all of your pet problems Proven safe to use for their skin, eyes, and ears. Helps calm and heal wounds, hot spots, insect bites, and lots more. Will not sting and very safe to use even for your feathered friends. To find out how you can keep your pets happy and healthy, go to purspraypet.com. That's p-u-r spraypet.com, purspraypet.com, or call us now at three eight six. Three one zero three nine two four.
0: Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog.
1: And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolfe and Wyatt, who's just coming into the studio right now, and my good buddy Jonathan, who's waving, and he's got service dog named Emmy, who's the best Rhodesian Ridgeback and the prettiest thing ever. And he's fostered for us, and he's a great kid. He's 14, and he's still he's an awesome kid with a big heart. So, you know, what we want to do is call you guys to action. Let's try, all of my listeners, let's try... To all get together, let's all contact us. We will ha- we have a special group on Merlin's Kids. You can get our Merlin's Kids information on www.merlinskids.org. You can get information on how to be a foster, on how to take care of animals and give them a better chance at a life as a service dog or potentially as a multiple group service dog, as an institutional service dog you can get a copy of my book. It's called shhh Happens because, you know, shhh Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101. You can get that right on Amazon, and you can get free Kindle software so you'll be able to read the book, understand what all the buzz is about, and be able to learn more so that you can help to make more lives better for more dogs and special needs kids and veterans and firefighters with PTSD. And all these people who could be so greatly helped by a dog who, without your help, may wind up dead in a shelter. Now, not to be too graphic, but if you do have kids around and if they're, um, they're young, you might want to have them not listening right now or turn your volume down. I'm going to talk about how some of these dogs are euthanized in shelters. And it's, it's a, it's, I'm going to get pretty graphic, so I want people to know if you are somewhere I want you to turn the volume down if you have a young child um, or anybody who might be offended. But I'm just telling the truth of what happens. I think if a lot of people who are uh, giving their dogs up or dumping their dogs knew what was going to happen to their dog within the week, probably, and especially if it's a pity or a breed or a particular dog who's fearful or fear-aggressive or dominant or dominant-aggressive, they're dead. So let's talk about the, the... Let's say the nice thing. The nicest thing would be a veterinarian comes and puts a nice IV in the dog's wrist or arm and puts in some solution, some different potassium chloride or whatever they're going to be using. Sometimes they'll use something to make the dog kind of go to sleep, and then they inject the the, uh, chemicals and and the pink stuff, as we call it, um, into the dog's uh, blood vessel and the dog's heart stops. And it's, it's somewhat peaceful. It's kind of what you expect when you would have to put your own dog to sleep at your vet's office. Well, that's not the best part. That's, that's the best case scenario. The, the best part on the negative side is what happens in the shelters. Most of them are trying to save a lot of money. And so in order for them to save money, they're going to do things cheaply. So one of the things they do is called a heart stick. Now, the benefit of a heart stick is that they, I mean, for them, is that they can then sell the dead bodies as dog food or cat food or whatever meat that can go into the meat and bone meal or animal digest or animal fat Which all those. We don't know what kind of animal it is. In a heart stick, what they do is they lift the dog up as if they were going to give it a hug, so it's almost standing straight up. They go under the rib cage with, like, a long needle, and they basically puncture the heart. Uh, Sometimes they'll put a chemical in to kill directly into the heart. Uh, Sometimes they will just literally poke the heart until the heart, um, you know, has holes in it, and the dog basically bleeds out internally. So that's lovely, isn't it? Now, it's a very, as you can imagine, very, very painful. The dogs are terrified, and they don't die right away. they, They can take a long time to die and to bleed out, and I just think that is absolutely atrocious. I don't know how anybody could could do that, and the animal control officers who get stuck doing it, some of them I think are kind of sick, and, and a lot of them, most of them, are good people who just need the job, and they they're just their hands are tied. They don't know even what to do to prevent that because it's part of their job, and it's, it's horrible. Then you have gas chamber, which is still legal in quite a few states in the United States, gas chamber like Hitler. hey that was a great that was a great person that we should talk about. So what happens is the dogs go in a box and it was actually invented by a veterinarian in North Carolina with a clear front. so I guess you could sickly watch and and watch these poor animals as they're writhing in pain and vomiting and and defecating and urinating all over and and each other and they're usually jammed pretty pretty tightly in and they can't breathe and the gas that they're inhaling is killing them slowly and it can take up to like forty five minutes or an hour for a dog to die and it's just torture. So yeah, that's a really good thing. So let's talk about that. So give your dog up to a shelter, especially if it's a pit bull or if it's got pity in it or if it's a fearful dog or dominant dog because that's what you're doing. You might as well just euthanize your dog and give him a little bit of dignity instead of having him go through that. There are other things. There are places in the deep south and in the midwest that I have seen, and I know because a lot of animal control officers are involved with us, and we actually have several of them that are in United Canine Professionals who left ACO business and job because it was so horrible, they will take a dog outside and shoot it. I mean, they will do anything they have to do to kill these poor animals. This was a dog who might have been sitting at a fireplace, snuggling up with his owners a week before, and a week later he's being tortured and tormented and terrified and dying in a horrible, disgusting, despicable way that wouldn't even be befitting of the lowest life murderer, child, or pedophile, uh, child molester. So why do we do this to our dogs? Why? Give them the dignity that they deserve. If the dog has to be used, and i please, dear God, do it humanely. But this is why so many rescue and shelters, rescue groups, Um, and the better shelters will go and get dogs from other areas because not all dogs are taken care of appropriately. Not all dogs have dignity in life and in death. And it really shouldn't be this way. It's just it's horrible that in our United States of America, this great nation established under God should be also established above dogs. We should have dogs and animals have dignity. It's it's not that I'm, you know, against everything and and all, but my good friend, you know, Temple is always working on having other techniques, other things that can be done so that even if an animal does have to die, it can die with some kind of a dignity. And there really needs to be something done. I understand that if they have an aggressive dog and they don't have somebody from United Canine Professionals um, there as a trained canine behaviorist to help them which if you wanted, you can always call us at 855-459-7767, k 9 pros, and we will be happy to help you and get you into the program, which will be starting again um, late fall, um, and we'll be, you know, teaching people what to do. But unfortunately, so many dogs are dying, and people just don't know what to do. They think they're powerless. You're not powerless. Talk to people. Educate people. Explain to them, don't give your dog away. Don't give it out on Craigslist or one of those, the Internet sites. Don't think that somebody's going to come in and give your dog a great home. You go to their home. You check them out. You ask for references. If they don't want to go through that, then you know what? Maybe they're pit bull fighting. Maybe they're going to use your dog as a bait dog. And at least give your dog the dignity that he gave you. Dogs don't ask for anything from us. They really ask for nothing, and they give everything. And they give everything to us because they love us, even when some of us maybe don't deserve to be loved. Well, stay tuned. We're going to wrap up in just a minute, and we look forward to having you with us for the final segment.
0: Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others.
2: When it comes to health expenses, dog owners have it rough. Now, thanks to veterinarian and dermatologist Dr. Kristen Holm, your dog can be goo healthy. There's Doggy Goo to fight environmental pet allergies, Goo Gut Rescue for rescuing your dog's gut health, and Goo Silver, a broad-spectrum supplement for the special needs of your senior varsity dog. So visit HealthyGoo.com today or call 855-246-2426 and your dog can be Healthy Goo healthy.
0: Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children.
1: And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf and some help from my good buddy Jonathan here. He's waving again. Well, what we want to do is come up with some other ways of being able to get rid of uh, the, the issues of euthanizing dogs. I mean, I can understand that everybody can't work with aggressive dogs like I do and like our United Canine professionals team members do, but can't we just do it more humanely? Do we have to torture them? It's almost like some people who are working with these animals almost get some kind of a sick pleasure out of it. You know, my good friend Temple Grandin has been a champion of animals, and yes, she, is, she does eat meat, and she's not a vegetarian, but Temple believes like I believe that animals should have dignity, you know raising them and having them live in a good life and then ending their life in a very peaceful manner as if they were falling asleep and just that was it. that's not bad. I mean we have to do we do I wish nobody ever had to die? yes, do I wish all animals could live forever? yes, of course, but that's not reality but what temple did and what I commend her for, for so many reasons, um, and love her for, is that she does believe and does work on having animals have dignity in death. And it's a shame that, you know, we have to kill sometimes. I mean, you know, when you have an animal who's sick, yes, we have to let the dog go or the animal go. And when we're farming for, for food and we have to feed people, okay, but we don't have to take sick pleasure. in in having an animal die in a very painful manner, frightened. You think about it, wouldn't you as a human rather just die in your sleep than die in a tragic fire or in a horrible car accident or falling from a building or or plummeting uh, through a vat of acid? I mean, wouldn't we choose to go peacefully? Well, why shouldn't the animals be able to go in a peaceful manner where they're not – scared, they're not tortured, they're not tormented. And they can just go be dogs. They can just go be and and that's really what we're talking about is giving animals dignity. Somewhere somebody's gotta come up with a better way of doing what we're doing because we are failing these four million dogs and six to eight million cats who are dying every year in shelters and rescues around the country. Say neuter programs are a great start. Let's prevent the problem before it happens. And listen, dogs live 10 to 15 years. So if we started today with stay-neuter programs for all the mixed breed dogs, all the non-show dogs, all the ferals, in 15 years we wouldn't have a problem anymore. There would be no more unwanted dogs. And then people would actually have to deal with a legitimate show breeder who's going to put you through the ringer. Believe you me, you're not just going to get a dog from me. You're not going to just get a dog from a legitimate show breeder. We're not just going to sell you a dog because there's the money involved. We're going to put you through a lot. We're going to have at least two references. We're going to make sure we do a home visit. We're going to check on you to make sure that you're a good person, that you have a good record with animals, and that you don't have any criminal background. You don't have any kind of abuse or anything. Make sure that your kids seem to be very good and centered and well-attended to, and, you know, that your family members all are on board. That's when we can fix this. I mean, we can really fix this whole problem in 10 to 15 years if we started today, if we only let people have dogs who were responsible, if we were able to stay and neuter all the dogs who are either mixed-breed dogs or not good representations of a purebred dog. And if we had literally purebred dogs, not that there's, there's anything wrong with mutts, because God knows I've got a ton of them, but we don't need to be letting mixed-breed dogs get pregnant. and We certainly don't need to be breeding more mixed-breed dogs in puppy mills around the country, where we're breeding you know, a, a half of this to a quarter of that to a third of that to a sixteenth of that. And we have one-and-a-half disasters instead of having just a good dog who has a good, stable temperament and a good personality and lives a long time and is healthy and can do all kinds of jobs. What is wrong with us as a civilization that we aren't taking care of our animals? You know, you've heard it. You know, Gandhi said a, a civilization can be judged by the way it treats its animals. Well, You know, we have two very different civilizations than in the United States because we have the people like myself and like you guys who are listening here who would do anything for your animals and who treat your animals as the family members that they are. Then we have a bunch of sickos like the Michael Vicks, like the people who are dog fighting, the people who are, you know, fighting, uh, you know, uh, roosters. We have people who are doing things that's sick that are just abusing animals. We have two very different societies and two different groups of people. And my society of all my friends and all the people with Merlin's Kids and United Canine Professionals, we idolize our animals. We'll do anything for them. We'll never abandon them. We'll never give them up. We'll take care of them. We'll teach them. We'll have patience with them. We'll work with them. And then you have people who are just scum, and those people are dangerous in our society because if you can't um, be mature and you can't be um, doing things as an adult that are good for animals, and then I don't really trust you with humans because how many children or how many um, people are abused by people who are sickos who started out abusing animals, you know, people who, you know, kill little animals. And I'm not talking about hunters. I'm talking about people who just abuse animals just to see them being abused. Those people, and it, this isn't me talking anymore, this is you know all the psychiatrists, psychologists, and sociologists and professors who are telling us all this constantly, that most people start, before they abuse a human or uh, abuse a child or abuse a woman or an elderly person, they usually start with animals. So why are we letting this happen? Why are we letting these horrible people... Stay amongst us. Let's let's lock them up in the shelters. Let's lock them in cages because those people are no good, and we don't need those people because they are dangerous. They're dangerous to society. Let's lock them up. Let's let the animals go free. How about that for a thought? Well, I wish that could be, if only. But, you know, there's a lot of ways you can help. You can help us to foster for Merlin's kids. That's dot org, Or you can contact us at 855-HI-WYATT, which is 855-449-9288. You can get your dogs on good quality food and the NuVet vitamins, um, which are phenomenal for cats or dogs. That's the uh, order code 40560, which gets you the 15% for auto-ship. You can get a copy of my book called Shh Happens. Dog Behavior 101 on Amazon for your Kindle and get the free Kindle software, and you can become one of the amazing people in United Canine Professionals who can help to prevent the senseless euthanasia of 4 million dogs a year. We just want your help to be able to help us to help more animals. And give your dog and your cat and your kids and your your family members a big hug thank god you have them and take good care of them if you want to reach out to us or have a question answered you can email us go on to our facebook page and we will be happy to answer you everybody have a wonderful healthy happy week love from wyatt and jonathan and me and we'll see you all next week have a great week
0: learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog